Hard to believe that it is already Thursday this week. This time, it's hard to believe that we are partway into October already. Uh, Where has time gone? I was just thinking, you know, it was March like last week. Time is boom, flown right by so very, 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 very quickly. And uh, so, um, Wow. Thursday, today's date is the fifth day of October and uh, just flown by so fast. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 and we've covered part of chapter 3. We didn't quite get through chapter 3. 
We're going to wrap up Chapter 3 today. I will decide whether this is a shortened broadcast, although oftentimes once I get going, uh, I get going and nothing is amended and appended and shortened uh, at all. It is uh, ends up being a longer a broadcast sometimes, in fact. But we're in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, and Paul shared... Uh, shares three illustrations. In fact, then, then in the in the midst of the third illustration, he'll he'll go into a fourth illustration or further define a fourth illustration a little bit more as he talks about temples and what what the temple now is uh, in this era in this age, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, so, and yes, Don was first in line this morning. Uh, Walter, I think, was second in line, or Steve was second in line, then Walter, then Priscilla. I was just being silly in my comments this morning about, you know, my, my one friend, because as we get going, it's always Don, almost always Don. I can't say always, but almost always Don, the first one in the queue, first one to say good morning. And uh, once we get going, at least me with just the one friend. But then by the time we get to this level of day, this time of morning, we have several friends in here. Sometimes Fran is the first person in, in the queue sometimes. And uh, Fran is showing up there and saying, hey, what about me? Well, uh, you're all my friends. And uh, I, I have one best friend. His name is Jesus. I have one best earthly friend. Her name is Wendy Joe, uh, And then everybody else just filters in around that. And uh, uh my kids probably filter in pretty close there too, um, in many ways. But you're all precious to me. Just want you to know that. Now let's get into the text rather than me blathering on here. You're here for scripture. You're here for the Lord. Yeah, we're here for each other too. We have community. We have love. We uh, have this fond affection for each other. But First Corinthians chapter uh, three and picking up at verse nine, Paul has given uh, an illustration already. Um, in fact, he's given the illustration of being fellow workers. He's given the illustration of being God's field. Uh, and, and then he is now giving an illustration about being God's building. So three things. Uh, we work together in unison with God. Uh, that is one thing. Secondly, uh, life is like a field. There are p- seeds that are planted there is watering that takes place, maybe a little fertilizing that takes place, maybe some pulling of some weeds that takes place, but it's like a field. Life is like a field. The gospel is like a field, and we each have responsibility to plant seeds uh, or to um, water those seeds or sometimes to pluck out weeds around those seeds, but ultimately it is God who causes all things to grow. And then thirdly, he goes into this third illustration of God's building. You, We are God's building. And he went on, and we, we looked at this yesterday, so a brief recap. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. I mean, Paul acknowledges that even anything he does in ministry is as a result of the grace of God. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, we'll read in, in the fourth chapter, uh, and uh, it is God's grace given us this ministry. And, and I, 
I feel much the same way that it is God's grace given to me, absolutely, because, I mean, I really don't deserve to um, to be in the spot that I'm in. It, it is all because of the grace of God, and, and like Paul, I, I will acknowledge the grace of God uh, in my life, which has given me this absolutely incredible privilege of ministry. So verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it, but each should be careful how he builds. Uh, we looked at this yesterday. We should think about what, what are we building with, um, in, uh, what are we building with in our, uh, in our Christianity? Uh, we're involved in a study called Real Life Discipleship. And uh, one of the things it asks is, is what's missing in the church. Well, we, we've created a spectator sport uh, and uh, come sit, listen to somebody speak and go home. Well, you know, we, we should come be inspired. We should come be, yes, uh, teaching is a part of it, but but that all of us could, could learn to be teachers in some measure and for each of us to say, what am I building upon? Now, I, I know some of you and, and get to see how some of you, some of you are reaching other people. I get to see how some of you are discipling other people. Uh, I see your work and in, in what you're trying to do. And the challenge that we're given here is to be careful how we build. And no foundation can be laid other than one that is laid, which is Jesus. If any man builds this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. I mean, our, our work is going to be shown for what it is, uh, whether we have really done a work that, that helps people to grow, that really advances the gospel, that really glorifies Christ, or if it's chintzy work. And we need to look and make sure that our, our, our work is not chintzy. That our work is not bubblegum and duct tape work. Uh, now, I, I have been known to use duct tape on some things at times. Uh, you can look at my car. I've got some duct tape holding a little piece on the back uh, because it seems like anything else I've tried hasn't worked short of drilling screws through it or something. Um, but let's make sure that our faith isn't bubblegum and duct tape faith. Let's make sure that our work is not bubblegum and duct tape work. Let's make sure that we are actually pointing people to Christ. Let's make sure that we're actually taking them into the word of God. Let's make sure that we're not just pointing them to, to people with the brilliant smiles and the nice hair that are TV preachers. Uh, let's make, or, or sometimes they have nice smiles and beards. Uh, if your name is Stephen, uh, Furtick, uh, Let's make sure that we're doing far more than that. Let's let's build into people's lives with the stuff that really counts for what it what it should be. It says in verse theme, verse thirteen, our work will be shown for what it is because the day the day capitalized will bring it to light, be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Uh, and, and here is these couple of verses again. This is a recap a little bit from yesterday. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. Uh, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. I mean, so there is this idea of, of salvation that comes to those that haven't built well, but really maybe have a legitimate, true saving faith will be ones that, that, that may be tarnished and 
you know, um, have the, have the smell of the smoke <clears throat> upon them and have uh, maybe, maybe some singed hair and, you know, may, maybe some of the dirt from the smoke on their face, uh, but they will escape. They will make it. Uh, they will make it by the skin of their faith, uh, a, a faith that was enough to get them into heaven, but not enough to live for Christ on earth. Let's make sure that we have much more faith in that. And he goes into chapter, into verse 16, uh, further uh, exemplifying, further illustrating this idea of being a building. When he says at verse 16 down here, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Now, at this point, the temple was still standing. If I remember the the time frame, yes, this temple was still standing because this was written in like AD 53, AD 54. The temple wasn't destroyed until AD 70, so the temple is still standing. And here is Paul saying, look, the temple isn't that big thing uh, up on the temple mount. The temple is you. You are God's temple. God comes and lives and resides in you today. So he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit lives in you? Now, there is implications of the fact that God's spirit lives in us. God's spirit lives in us, and he will strengthen us. God's spirit lives in us, and he will educate us. God's spirit lives in us, and he will encourage and inspire us. God's spirit lives in us and he will give us the words to say at just the right time because God's spirit lives in us. God, you know, we would think, well, God lives in the temple. God lives in the building. God does not live in a building made with hands. Paul makes it very clear in this passage and other passages as well. Jesus made it clear in the um Upper room discourse in John 13 through 17 that the Holy Spirit will come and take residence in the life of the believer. Friend, you are the temple of God. Now, if in our day we have kind of deconstructed on the church and church facilities and, and, you know, we don't make as much of it as they made in the temple, partly because of this teaching that we realize that we are the temple. Now, I still think we should honor a building uh, as being a place set apart for God. I I think that is appropriate. However, there are people who will honor the building and yet not treat their own body as it is a temple, Uh, not, not live for Christ, not, not do the things that honor and glorify Christ. And, and so we treat the church great. We, we dress in, in the right clothes. And yet when it comes to living Monday through Saturday, uh, we live very much for ourselves when, in fact, we need to be living for Christ. Now, he says in verse 17, let me adjust this a little bit and put it up on the top of the screen. There you go. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Now, some would is there, there is some question, is the you uh, a singular you or a you a communal you? Uh, uh, is you only meant for the individual or is you meant for the collective? <clears throat> In our day, we have made our Christianity so individualized 
And in the day in which Paul was living, uh, the church was very, very much more communal. Uh, it was much more interdependent. In fact, it's part of being American is to be independent. But yet to be a biblical Christian is to be interdependent upon one another. And so while, yes, it is true that in our individual selves, we are a temple where God resides, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in each of us individually. It is also true that that Paul comes at uh, Paul, that God, I was looking at the comments here, that, that God comes and lives in us as a collective, that we would be uh, a people uh when people walk into our church, that they would experience the spirit of God. Now that me saying that might mean different things to different people. Some would think that that means everybody's seeing visions and speaking in tongues. I I don't think that needs to be true, but, but I do think that there should be a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. Uh, That's another song day two of quoting a song. Um, that there would be the sweetness of the Spirit of God among the people of God as they gather together uh, in the facilities in which we gather. That should be our work. That should be our longing. That should be our effort. That should be our, you know, doing everything we can to to be a community. And I know that's something that Veracity is working at. And, and uh, the study that we're doing, Real Life Discipleship, that that ministry said, how do we become that? And And I think we need to become that. Uh, and instead of a, a gathering of a bunch of individuals sitting in individual chairs, how do we become a collective together to be a temple in that way that when people come in, they experience the wonder in the spirit of God? Yeah, uh, there, there's some commentary over here. Let me pick up the commentary. Uh, Priscilla is saying, uh, I, I read... Yesterday, that church buildings were not common until about 200 years after Paul's writings. It, 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 it could be into the second or third century, definitely. Uh, some would say it was about the year th- uh, 350 AD uh, when, when the first church building was, was built. Uh, and some would point to, to Constantine as the one uh, who who made sure the first church building was built. They met in houses, and they met wherever. And in fact, as some would point to, some church historians would point to, that was a negative turning point in the church. That is when the church began to lose its, its oomph, is when we built buildings. And... Uh, there are several, and that's a conversation that takes place today among some church historians, some theologians, uh, some missiologists, missiologists, people who study missions, uh, would say that that was a negative turning point, that when we began, now we've put our resources into buildings, and, and we do. We put a lot of emphasis on a building. Uh, and, and think if we met in a place and we didn't, you didn't have the costs incurred of having a building. Uh, and think of what you could do. I have a friend. I, I, I'm looking for people, uh, and I haven't said this too publicly because, and I'll say it to you. Um, I'm hesitant to pay, post some of this on Facebook. I'm looking for people who say I want to be Sudanese partners. 
Uh, some of you have already given, some of you have been a part of that, and, and I mean on an ongoing basis. Uh, that's an area that, that, and I can't say it publicly because the moment I post something like that on Facebook, I have people coming out of the woodwork from all over the world saying, hey, help us, we need money for. Um, and, and they probably do, but that isn't what I do, and that's not what I can do, and, and it's not what I'm called to do, but certainly helping uh, a place. Now, yes, they have building over there, but I've also seen, you know, they they meet in all kinds of places. I met with them under a tree. Uh, and the, the prayerfulness, the faith was absolutely palpable uh, with those people meeting. And that's their, where they meet every week is under this tree uh, in, uh, in Kakama in uh, Kenya. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, you're on to something there. <clears throat> Walter Huss saying we need small communities uh, that can fight for and support each other. Just even even here. I mean, this is a small community, and we can fight for and support each other in this community as well. And that is something that I think we should do. Now, let me get back over into the text here, because I don't want time to slip away and us to not complete this text. Uh, he says, do not deceive yourselves. If anyone thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he might become wise. Look, we're, we are marching to the beat of a different drummer, and his name is Jesus. Uh, we will look different than the world. We, we are contrarian. The gospel is a contrarian message to the message of this world. And what we've done so often is we try to, to, to live the gospel in, in such a way and conduct the message of the gospel in such a way to make it so palatable that sometimes we we miss the power and the pithiness of that is with a th uh, of of the gospel uh, because we try to say well you can have some of Jesus and everything else too well the gospel calls us to take up our crosses the gospel calls us to deny ourselves the the, the gospel calls us to treasure the things of God and uh, the gospel calls us to. To not live in the ways of the world. The gospel calls us to all of these things. And so when Paul is saying what he says here, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. For those that say we should lay aside the Old Testament, for the record, Paul is quoting Old Testament here. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Now, again, the idea of of boasting about men, I mean, some were saying, I follow Paul. Some were saying, I follow Apollos. Some were saying, I follow Peter. I, some were saying, I maybe follow this other. I follow Barnabas or I follow, what about following Christ? You know, it'd be like us saying, so what's your church? What is your church? Well, my church is Calvary Chapel. Oh, and my church is Little River. Oh, and my church is Christ the King. Oh, and my Christ, my church is Rassy Chapel. And my church is Brooks Bible. And I mean, I follow Jesus. Uh, and I think this is something that we would look at in ourselves and say, you know, do we are we really following Jesus or are we following a man? 
And it's something I, I hear people, and I know I, there's something mag, uh, magnetic about the deep, gravelly voice of, of my friend Ken Graves up at Calvert Chapel in Orrington, you know, and deep, gravelly voice, that macho kind of man look that he has. But don't follow Ken Graves. Don't follow Jim Culbertson. Don't don't follow Greg Houston. Don't don't follow Garrett Susi. Only follow them in as much as they follow Christ. Follow Jesus, because this is what he says in verse verse twenty two. All this is yours. In that sense, it's all yours. It says you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Now, now I want to jump over real fast to chapter six, because chapter six also picks up on this theme of our temple being the body. So here, here we go um, in chapter six, uh, and we, we'll look at this again. I, 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 I'm not going to belabor the point uh, and look at the in entirety of this because we will get to chapter six so let me jump into chapter six down at verse uh 19 do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you've received from god you're not your own you're bought or price therefore honor god with your body now we will get into what it says in the preceding verses but it says in chapter three you are a temple. It says in chapter six, you are a temple, and it says at the conclusion of chapter six in verse twenty. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, there's all kinds of things we can look at, all kinds of things we consider when it comes to honoring God with our body. Now, in chapter six, it's going to deal with sexuality, you know, and not being sexual with other people other than your spouse, and that is spouse. Is a man, if you're a woman, if you're a man, your spouse is a woman. You get what I'm saying. If you're a woman, your spouse is a man. If you're a man, your spouse is a woman. That's what I'm trying to say. That That's God's standard. That's what has always been, been taught historically throughout time uh, until we get here into this, this little tiny sliver of history uh, in the last you know, 30 years or so where, where this has been increasingly the message of the world. And in fact, it isn't the message of the entire world. It's the message of the West. And you go to other places, uh, they look at us and go, you people are crazy. And uh, because it is not the message that, that is accepted that, that, that you know, your, your spouse can be another man if you're a man or another woman if you're a woman. That is not the teaching of Scripture. And that isn't even what is understood in the two-thirds world. Uh, it, it is still understood as a man and as a woman. Now, there are other aspects to this beyond the sexual, where it says, therefore, honor God with your body. If, if our temple is a place where the Holy Spirit resides, what does that say about self-care? What does that say about, uh, you know, what we eat? Uh, you know, and, and I have watched people that get on other people because of their sins uh, you know, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke, but hey, let me let me go up to the buffet about five times, uh, or let me eat like half a dozen donuts uh, in in one sitting. That's perfectly okay. No, that is not okay. That is not okay at all. We we are called. We have responsibility to try to take care of ourselves to a certain measure. Now, I I think we can make idols out of that. 
Uh, and, and I will tell you, as I get older, in fact, I ran into another dear man at the hospital yesterday. I was taking some something in for a test yesterday and uh, into the lab and uh, ran into somebody. And we're just talking about getting older. You know, as we get older, it's harder. It's tougher. And it's more challenging. It's more difficult. Uh, and so I would tell you, we need to try to take care of our bodies. If our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then, and we don't put, sometimes as Christians, we don't put enough emphasis on that. And sometimes we don't put enough emphasis because we are reacting to the people who've made gods out of the human body. We should take care of ourselves and we should give thought to what we eat. We should give thought to what we drink. We should give thought if we're able to go out and get some form of exercise. This gives me impetus to get back out there and take a walk again this morning. And uh, uh, as a part of a responsibility of being a Christian to care for this temple that God has given to me. And God has given you your temple. And as it gets older, it gets more difficult. And I know some of you would say, here, here, or you might even go, crap, that's true. Well, it is true. Uh, as we get older, things happen. So take care of the body. Teach younger people. Take care of the body. Um, take that donut out of somebody else's hand. I, I have I have talked to people before and said, make me accountable. If you see me picking up something I shouldn't be eating, take it out of my hand. Slap. <laughs> In fact, I think, I think it was Nell one day that did that, and, and it was comical. It was funny, but it's exactly what I'd asked for. I think it was Nell. I love Nell. Uh, and because uh, she would do things like that, and uh, she did. I, I think I, I don't know what I had, but I think could have been Betty too. I, I know somebody did that one day and, and we need to help each other with the temple that God has given to us. We live in the temple. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And if he lives in us, then that means he's with us all the time. And that means that we should treat this temple with, with a modicum of respect uh, and care as a place where God lives. Well, friends, I'm at the end of the half hour that we have allotted for today. Lord, help us. We struggle. We struggle to take care of our bodies. We we like far too many carbs uh, or fats or sodas or teas, iced teas, sweet teas, whatever. Lord, we make ourselves so busy. We don't have time to go for a walk. We make ourselves so busy. We don't have time for exercise. We We confess our sins to you. Uh, and ask for your help in taking care of this temple of our body, that, that we would honor it uh, to honor you. We care for it to care for you, uh, that, that we would be witnesses for you. So, Lord, help us in this tent in which we live to honor Christ and to build well, to build well into other people's lives, to build well uh, the gospel, biblical teaching, into other people's lives. Lord, help us to glorify you so that when the day comes that we would receive a rich, warm welcome and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. Lord, hear our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.